Hello, and welcome to Assured by Grace. I'm your host, Danny Woodward, and to get today, again, I've got Phil Congdon with me. Uh, Phil, it, it's great to be back. We've been gone a few weeks, hadn't we? Well, yes, I had COVID, uh, and my wife and one of my daughters did, and that that was a, a challenging time. Uh, it's not a something we need to belabor here, but God really taught me some some lessons uh, in that, and one that I actually wrote about and put on my blog had to do with uh, who I am in, in Christ. It actually touches some on what we're going to be talking about today, but uh, I think when you when you feel helpless, like you can't do anything, and you feel useless, at, at times like that, sometimes God uses that situation to teach you that it isn't just a utilitarian thing, that what I can do for God is what makes me valuable to Him. No, I'm valuable to Him because of who I am in Jesus Christ. And His love for me, um, somebody has put it well, there's nothing good I could do that would make Him love me more. There's nothing bad I can do that would make Him love me less. That's the kind of amazing agape love that we have received from God. So uh, anyway, that's where I, I, I was indisposed. And then we were at the, this uh, retreat, this yeah. advance. You were there. Um, and that's somewhere, somewhere what we're going to sort of use as a springboard for this Absolutely. So, so Phil had to leave a little bit early because you had to get yes. your sermon prepared for Sunday morning. So he didn't get to stick around with us, uh, the rest of the men out at uh, Mo Ranch in the Hill Country, which was a beautiful setting and had a had a great time. But so our speaker, uh, Woody, Woody Woodward, Woodward. Was, uh, was was fabulous and, and had some great teaching for us. And one of the things that that the Woody focused on last weekend was the the story of David, and and not just David being anointed as a young boy and and kind of the the process between then and when he began his his ministry, if you could call it that, and uh, and took out Goliath, but what was God doing in David's heart at the time? And towards the end of of Woody's uh, sermon series something became obvious to me that I've grown up reading. I don't know how many times I've read the story of David and Goliath. You know, as a, as a little boy, that's an, that's an exciting story. You, yeah. you, you know, you're mano a mano. You're standing there eye to eye against a giant and you don't flinch and, and you take the guy down. It's an exciting story. But what I, what I failed to connect as a young man and, and something that I really learned this weekend was that when David walked out onto that battlefield, he didn't walk out confident in himself because he felt God was on his side. He, he did feel God was on his side, but there was more to that, right? He was leaning on the promises of God. And, and you know, Woody had a, a, a great way of just kind of bringing that into perspective, showing us that mm. in the Old Testament, it talked about if you profane the name of the Lord, you were to be stoned. And David knew that. And, 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 you know, he grabbed that slingshot and, and grabbed those stones and Goliath was sitting there 
profaning the name of the Lord. And, and the, the, the fact that, that Goliath and the Philistines had showed up with chariots and God had told the people of Israel that not to, not to take heart or, or to, to, to worry, in, not in to trust chariots. in chariots. Yeah. yeah. It just, and there was one other thing that it, it really drove home the point to me that David was relying upon the promises of God when he walked out into that battlefield. Mm -hmm. He, he was completely trusting in God and in, in God's word. And, and it got me thinking, Phil, as a believer in, in this age of grace that we live in, in the time that we live in, you know, what are some, what are some promises of God that can affect our lives? Well, I, I'm going to speak for, for myself, but I think for all, uh, all of those who are listening, uh, there is a fundamental uh, truth. David trusted in God's word. And now when we say God's word, we think the Bible. And it is. It is God's word. David didn't have the Bible like we have. Uh, in his day, uh, there would have been uh, the law, the Torah. He would have had that. But the biblical history that I can open up and read, or you can read, and that you were talking about at the, the men's advance last weekend, well, that is, that's God's word now in its completed form. And through the years of my ministry, uh, you know, you ask, what is it that uh, has kept me from wavering when I have faced Goliaths? Uh, Goliaths take different forms. Uh, and, and here what I'm doing is I'm using this as a metaphor for, for difficulties. It can be uh, a serious physical disease or uh, facing financial ruin or uh, family difficulties, um, uh, work challenges, people who are in uh, training and they they don't know if they can really make the grade or not. And 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 for me, I, I know that in the years of my ministry, I have faced Goliaths. What is it that David had that he went out to face Goliath with that I have had? And it is that I have had an absolute, unshaking confidence that this. Is God's word, and that to me, uh, it, it's like the foundation. If I didn't have that, then it would be my word against somebody else's word, and God's word is it. It states its absolute authority. All Scripture has been given by inspiration of God, or has been God breathed. The Greek word theonoustos, uh, it is God breathed it out. So all of this has been God breathed and it is profitable for doctrine. That is for, you know, the study of truth, doctrine, reproof to keep me uh, in line, correction for instruction in righteousness. And it says, this is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that the man of God may be perfect, or the word means complete thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So when I have been challenged by 
Goliaths, we'll say that that would say, um, no, you shouldn't shouldn't teach that, uh, or that that isn't. Uh, we disagree with that teaching. We have a different view on that. I always would go one place to the promises that are given here. So uh, when it says in 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to show yourself approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, correctly handling the word of truth. I would say, okay, that's what I'm doing. And I'm not going to do it without with any fear. I'm not going to do it with any... Uh, a challenge uh, to, uh, I don't know if that's right or not. You know, people who who come to life and they say, well, I, I've got um, the uh, philosophies that I've learned in, in college and uh, I've got uh, today all kinds of uh, teachings um, that that are being foisted on us. And and people are saying, well, what is truth? Well, I'll tell you, if you have your, if you're based firmly in God's word, you are going to have an unshakable foundation. And that's where, that's what's kept me going. That's that's really great, Phil. That kind of, that begins to peel it back, right? We're starting to see there. One other thing that when David walked out there, he had some specific some yeah. specific truths that he took with him yeah. and and put them into action, right? And in, in what he was doing. Yeah. What about for us? What about for believers in this time? What are some of the the specific truths? Do we want to maybe talk about how that might affect our assurance? Yeah, well, I, I want to say this, that every person listening here, if you have believed in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, uh, then you have received. Uh, there are a number of uh, hundreds, literally, promises in Scripture that that are things that you have received. And sadly, there are uh, Christian leaders who will tell you that, well, yes, those are promises for people who have believed. But how do you know you've really believed, or yeah. Uh, if you don't do this and this and this, then maybe those promises don't apply to you. Mm. And uh, the thing about Scripture, just as David went out and didn't say, well, I sure hope that what God <laughs> promised will really be true. Yeah. But David went out with the confidence that what God said was true. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. There are so many things that Scripture says you can take this to the bank, so to speak. Um, and actually, I, I, I'll mention just like you take a, a verse like Romans 4 or 5 that says, to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. Okay, now, th there are two things there that are the provisos, we might say. You do not work. That is, you're not trying to earn this on your own. Secondly, you believe in him who justifies the ungodly. Okay, those are the two things. You don't work, you believe. To him, it has been, and the, in some of the translations, it actually has the word credited. 
It has been credited to you as righteousness. That's like a banking term. You mm. can bank on it because it's true. And, and so the, the natural reaction to that, when you read that, when you really stick that in, in, into your life is to stop trying so hard and, and start yeah. believing. And, and that can be applied to, to anything. It can be applied to any situation that, that we find ourselves in. Uh, where we where we need help or direction, right? Yeah, I wrote down a few a uh, few things here. I'll, I'll just uh, mention these because I, I jotted down some things that I wanted to uh, to to illustrate what happens when a person believes in Jesus Christ uh, and you've trusted Him as your Savior. Well, uh, these are things many of you would know, but. You're not supposed to doubt these things because they're God's promises. And if you're doubting God's promises, you're doubting his word. You're no longer really trusting what his word says. For example, if you have believed in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. John 6, 47. Whoever believes has eternal life. Okay, now the question now becomes, do I believe God's promise? If I do, then it doesn't matter what some well-meaning preacher may tell to me that I need to do this and that and the other thing. No, I'm going to rest in what God's word says. Mm -hmm. I have eternal life. Now, I'm, I'll run through these pretty quickly here, but just these are uh, some well-known ones. For, uh, secondly, I have been saved by grace. Ephesians 2.8, by grace, you have been saved through faith. I have passed from death to life. I already mentioned this, John 5.24. Mm -hmm. You have passed out of death into life, Jesus says. I am a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians. 517. Do you sometimes feel like this question answers itself? I think we all feel sometimes like I'm just struggling. I'm not really measuring up. Maybe I'm not a new creation in Christ. Get your Bible, open it, and read. 2 Corinthians 517. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, new things have come. Uh, here are a few others. I have forgiveness of my sins. Ephesians 1, 7. We have the forgiveness of sins. My sins will never be remembered by God. And I love this. Wow. This is one of those yeah. anthropomorphisms. It's like, you know, does God say, I can't remember? No. <laughs> what it means is that God puts it away from himself. He is never going to call our sins back up again as if to uh to accuse us the way that oftentimes we to beat do us to down other people you yeah. know like we remind them of that that's hebrews chapter 8 verse 12 and hebrews 10 17 i am redeemed from the curse of the law now uh, I, I just wanted to mention here what is the curse of the law the curse of the law is that I have this burden on me that I'm trying to live up to something, and it's a standard I can't live up to. That's a curse that, that could be 
put on any one of us, guess what? I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13. I've been adopted into God's family. This is one of those ones that is so wonderful about mm -hmm. assurance. What, what do you think? Is God going to unadopt you? Or is God going to maybe adopt you? No, if you're adopted into his family, you're part of his family. Galatians 4, 5. Now here's another one. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. If you ever are thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I've done something that's too bad. Maybe, maybe I did something that God just decided, well, well that's too much. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to love you anymore. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Nothing can separate us, either height or depth, life, death, anything. Nothing wow. can separate us from the love of God. That, see that? You see how you, you have scripture here. And so you say, well, I am basing truth on what scripture says. And then this is what scripture says. And so when we're talking here in this podcast about assured by grace, what we're looking at is Scripture in the same way, in a way, that David would have looked at Scripture in his day mm -hmm. and said, I can count on this because it's true and face Goliath. And in your life, you're going to face Goliaths. And you're, you're going to face challenges that will sometimes seem way too big for you. These promises. You want me to give them some more? Keep going, man. All You're right, here we go. All right. Uh, God's spirit dwells in me. Because I have trusted in Jesus as my Savior, I received the spirit. Romans 8, 9, 1 Corinthians 3, 16. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's moved in. He's taken up residence. That's in convicting. Me. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's that sure convicting. Is. First Corinthians 6 19. You take spirit with you wherever you go. Mm -hmm. He's with you. Uh, I have a reserved place in heaven. I love this one. John 14. Mm. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. That's pretty good. I love that. that that's assurance. Um, and then Paul, when he wrote in Ephesians, he said that we have been seated in the heavenly places in Christ. It's like we've already got our reserved spot there. Uh, that's Ephesians 2.6. Um, I have peace with God, Romans 5.1. We have peace with God. I have an advocate with the Father when I sin, 1 John 2.1. If I sin, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Mm. What an amazing thing that Jesus actually intercedes for us. You know, these are things that when you start reading these things, they give you an assurance, a confidence. And if I don't want to overdo this, but if you go back to a situation like David, that's where he got his confidence. It was an unshakable confidence. Just a couple more. I have a great high priest. That's my advocate, Jesus Christ. That's all through, by the way, the book of Hebrews. If you read the book of Hebrews over and over again, Jesus Christ is our high priest. I have access to the Father, Ephesians 2.18. 
from the moment that Jesus mm -hmm. died on the cross and my sins were paid for. They were paid for in full. The veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. It was open. We had access to the Father. Um, two more, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. Phil, what, this is let me stop reason. you on that one. Yeah. That, that's a big one because that a lot of times you read that and you're like, well, why does that give me assurance? Why? What about knowing that we've been crucified with Christ in yeah. Christ yeah. is 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 so comforting? Why why is that? Well, it's because the the wages of sin is death, uh -huh. and every one of us is a sinner. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so everybody who knows the Bible, as they read the Bible, they recognize, yeah, I'm a sinner. And and so what happened when, um. When I believed in Jesus, his death became my death. I was crucified with him now. So that that death that paid the price for my sins, that he died, became mine. That's only half the story, of course, as yeah. C.S. Lewis would, would say that the centerpiece of Christianity is the resurrection. Right. And in Romans 6, when Paul says, you know, we died with Christ, but we were raised with him as well. So I have been crucified with Christ. I am still living. Uh, Colossians 3, 3 says, Paul writes, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So this assurance that, yes, my sins were paid for, not because I was good enough, or because I've done something to make God want to do it. Now, I remember Romans 4, 5, that it says, to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. So you have to be ungodly to qualify. <laughs> and you don't work. You receive what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross by faith. and. You know, that, these are all promises. Now, the interesting thing is with David, um, you know, when I think about this and these promises, it wasn't just Ed knowledge. No. It wasn't like he had, you know, you know I, I know these truths, I've gone to seminary or whatever. No. It has to be truth that then affects your life. And it affected his life. Yeah, he didn't wake up one day and, and, and decide that, that he was going to, you know, the day before, Jesse sent him with a care package to his brothers. He woke up and said, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna adopt these truths as as my truth." He had been living yeah. and and yeah. and just saturating himself in God's word more than likely for most of his life at that point, right? I mean, yeah. he was who knows how long, but uh, that brings me to another point though that I wanted to ask you about, and and maybe just to to bring up too it. When I started thinking about this question, I uh, I went to one of the the websites that I like to go to uh, from a fella named Jack Kelly, who's yeah. no longer this side of heaven. He's, he's he's gone on to to glory back in 2015, I believe. Yes. And Jack has has a website. It's called uh, Grace Through Faith, uh, T H R U Faith, and yeah. and he. Uh, 
he always has such clear, simple biblical teaching. And his last name is spelled with two E's, K-E-L-L-E-Y, I believe. Maybe so. Yeah. And, but but uh, one of the things that, um, that I, I did was I, I looked up to see what Jack had to say about the promises yeah. of God and, and how they can be appropriated by believers. Yeah. And I found an interesting back and forth. It was a conversation from a writer that had written in and it was dated 2016. So I don't know if his wife pulled some old records and sent yeah. it back, but yeah. uh, for whatever the case, this, this writer, this, this fellow that asked the question, it's, it seems like something that a lot of us can relate to. He said, Jack, I, I have all these problems and it's hard for me to remember scripture. It's hard for me to, to memorize yeah. scripture and say that's in my head and this is how it applies to this situation yeah. when these situations pop up. Yeah. He was like, can you help me? And it, towards the end, he said, can you, can you kind of give me uh, some silver bullets? He didn't actually come <laughs> yeah, out and say no, that, but he was, he was basically saying, can you give me a list or some curriculum that I can go through that'll prepare me for these situations so that I can stand firm? And Jack's response, man, it, it really, it was convicting because I think it was a, a, a spirit-led response. Can I just read it? What yeah. he wrote? Yeah. He said, there's no formula for knowing the promises of God, for learning them, uh, except to read the Bible and ask God to lead you toward the promises that would be most meaningful to you at this time in your life. So there's no substitute uh, to keeping close to him. Mm -hmm continually and making yourself sensitive to his still small voice. And then he wrote, keep reading his word and pray for wisdom and he'll keep revealing them to you as you need them. And he, he cited James one five and man, that yeah. to, to me, I mean, that really kind of codified this whole, this whole subject. It, it's, Absolutely. Do we want to lean on the God promises of God? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that list that you gave, Phil, is wonderful. I mean, I was just sitting there listening to you, getting excited about some of those because yeah. we just don't we don't think about them often enough. But man, that what Jack wrote hit me because it made me realize that that's what God wants. He's he's not asking the impossible from us. All he wants is for us to draw close to him so that he can draw close to us. And so I don't know if you have any any additional thoughts on that. Well, yeah, I do. Um, you know, you you started off talking about David, and when we think of David, what do we think of? We think of the Psalms, um, and Psalm Psalms are filled with um, David and other psalmists writing about their commitment to to Scripture. Psalm one begins, "Blessed is the man who does not." walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. That day and night doesn't mean that you don't do anything else. You know, you can't even eat. No, what it, it's, a, it's a merism. It's a figure of speech, which means that he is constantly, uh, as he goes through his day, he is going to be thinking about and uh, meditating, letting Scripture roll around in his mind. And you know, we're living in a day 
where many people, young people growing up, they, they don't have much time. They're so busy and they're so distracted. And, you know, it, it's hard. But there is no substitute for putting God's word into your, your daily diet, mm. making time for it. Now, I know there's some people who um, they, uh, they will uh, uh, they'll listen to the Bible on tape. And things like that. Those are great. It's a great thing to do. Uh, but that isn't going to replace, I, I would submit, reading uh, the Bible and actually having a, a paper Bible. Uh, I know you can also read the Bible online. You can get it, you know, and, and have it uh, that way. But I would just suggest that um, having a Bible and having a highlighter and having a pen and reading it, that's the way that you're going to get the most out of it. Uh, so I would I would urge, well, urge I can, people to do that. I can tell you, man, I can attest to that. Now, this morning I was getting ready to have a little quiet time, and I thought, well, let me just check my email right fast. And I checked it at about 8 o'clock, and by about 10.30, I came up for air <laughs> and realized that I hadn't done, done just a little study. And I'm talking like a 10-minute, you know, just some time to, to get alone. So. It happens fast this day and age. It's where I, yeah, I would suggest uh, to to our listeners. I, I actually I spoke on this charting a new course, um, uh, probably six eight weeks ago, uh, on a Sunday morning. Uh, you could go to the New Braunfels Bible Church website and, and go back a few weeks and and listen to this. But this is this is the key issue for me and for for all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ today, and that is that we need to make a commitment to reading his word at, at times. And it's easier for me, perhaps, than it is for you or for others, because I, uh, I get paid to, to be studying God's word. But I, too, have to be careful not to, to um, just treat God's word like, like you know, I for me, like a textbook. I need to treat it like a love letter. So I would encourage encourage you. I don't, I don't know, again, what your restrictions are uh, as you're right now watching this and thinking about your life and the time that you have and the restrictions that you have. But if it's possible, get a cup of coffee and sit down and have a little talk with the Lord and tell him you love him and you want to... Uh, Follow him and know his word and his truth, and then ask him to to maximize your time. And as you're drinking your cup of coffee, have a pen, have a highlighter, and read a chapter. And and then put your marker in there so you come back there the next day. Don't uh, just flip it open every day uh, and and see what it it has for you. I, I would read through it. Uh, but as you do that, you're going to find that the promises of God, just like David meditated on God's word, and when he got to the day that he faced his Goliath, those promises were something that were secure. He knew them. They were part of his life. And the same thing will happen for you. 
you'll have assurance because of God's grace. And as you face your Goliath, you're going to have that confidence. And I'd, I'd be willing to, uh, to, to just, if I could go back, I think we would see that, that Goliath to David didn't look so much like Goliath. Mm. He was ready for, for that challenge. Yeah. So uh, hopefully God will prepare us and, and all of you and just uh, thank you for, for well, that, Phil. Let's close in prayer. Let's do it. For, for everyone out there who is facing a Goliath in their life. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for the confidence that you give us in your word. You do not want us to doubt your love. You do not want us to be wondering whether we're in your family or not. Through faith in Jesus Christ alone, you have opened the way for us to have fellowship with you, to be in your presence, to, to walk with you every day. And I pray that uh, just as uh, every one of us faces a Goliath, that those who are facing them right now will make uh, the decision to chart a new course, to start getting into your word and taking in all those promises that you have for us. Thank you for Jesus, for his sacrifice that paid the price in full for our sins and that he rose from the dead victorious and that his victory is ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Phil, did you, before we let everybody go, did you want to say something about a book? Well, here at New Braunfels Bible Church this last week, we had the, the joy of having uh, a group called Adam's Road here. Uh, Adam's Road is a group of, I will call them young people. <laughs> they are, they're a lot younger than me, uh, led by Michael Wilder. Uh, and he has a brother, Matt, and there are others uh, that make up this, this group. It's a musical ministry. But they share their stories, and every one of them has come out of Mormonism. That is, they were members of the Latter-day Saints uh, uh, denomination or church. Uh, some people would say it's a cult. But it is a, it is a religion that teaches that you have to do good works uh, in order to get to heaven. And as a footnote, I would just say it's, it's incredibly sad that there are many members of Christian churches today who have come to fall into this false teaching as well. But these, these people shared their testimonies. It was dynamic. And Michael Wilder, the leader, has written a book about his life and his experiences of coming to faith in Jesus Christ that is riveting, and it's called Passport to Heaven. If you get a chance, you can get a copy uh, any number of places. By Michael Wilder, Passport to Heaven. If you get a chance, read it. It will really uh, inspire you. All right, thanks. We'll see you all next time. You bet.